0: If you're looking to market and present ideas that stick, well, this episode is for you. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Bond is an award-winning behavioral management specialist and author of the best-selling book Brain Glue, which reveals breakthrough right brain persuasion techniques for making ideas stick. With over 35 years of marketing experience advising major brands, he uncovered the concept of Brain Glue that taps into emotions for next-level sales impact. James, welcome to Unbound.
1: Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Should be fun. Yeah,
0: Uh, it's going to be very fun. Uh, And we're going to kick it off with your origin
1: story Uh uh-oh well i was born (laughs) should i start there (laughs) maybe not sure okay i'll make it easier it's gonna be a long story um i'm originally from montreal i live in southern california we've lived here for about 36 years our middle daughter we gave her the initials la so as soon as she was born we moved here and we know hey how old's lauren okay i know how long i've been here okay um i started an advertising agency i have a technical background but i started an advertising agency in montreal and work my way up and eventually won major clients like craft foods timex avon uh cosmetics abbott laboratory seagram's their world headquarters is there which is funny because i don't drink a lot <laughs> i won seagram's you know it's like they would always we have all these photographs of groups of all the all the booze and everything like like 50 bottles and they say okay you can have them and i'm like okay <laughs> you know give me some presents you know but um i had the opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in america Uh, because of the connections I had, because of all the work that we'd done. And I had powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I lost the ad. I lost the campaign. And how did I lose? I deserved to lose when I saw the ad. And it was a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain, and cracking a shell and dropping the egg into a sizzling frying pan with exaggerated sizzling sounds. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? When I saw that, it terrified me. It's like, you know, this is emotional selling, not logic. You know, there's no logic in it. I guess your brain gets fried like an egg, you know. But I realized I don't know how to do emotional selling. And they don't teach it in school. And, you know, there aren't books on it or anything like that. And so I started thinking, I love 3 by 5 cards. I wrote Your Brain on Drugs on a 3 by 5 card so I'd remember that ad. And I decided to create a passion box where right next to my computer I put a box. And every time I saw something that was emotional selling, eventually, or heard things too, you know, like heard quotes that were really powerful emotionally, instead of trying to overanalyze it, I put it in the box in the hopes that eventually I'd have enough examples that I could figure out how to do emotional selling. So fast forward about 10 years, we moved to California, to Southern California, and I met John Gray. And John Gray was telling me, sorry. John Gray was telling me, you're not the only one that's coughing. He said you were sick today yeah. this week, so I might know. I'm okay. But John Gray was telling me how he was frustrated because he wrote a book and it was absolutely phenomenal called uh, Men, Women, and Relationships. And people who read it loved the book, but almost nobody was buying it. He ultimately sold about 20,000 copies. But then he got this idea of changing the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And then tweaking the content just a little so it was consistent with the title. So you refer to it throughout the book, but it's the same basic book. Guess what happened? Almost overnight, half a million copies got sold, then a million, then two million. I have a mistake in my book. I say he sold 10 million copies. Well, I know Steve Harrison, who helped him with marketing, he said, no, you're wrong. I said, no, oh, did I mess up? I did my research. He said, no, no, we're over 50 million copies sold now. He went from 20,000 to 50 million copies sold all because he changed the title. I thought my brain was gonna explode. And so I I am writing, uh, you know, men are from Mars on a three by five card. And I suddenly realized it's a metaphor. You know, men aren't really from a different planet. I mean, at least some people think we are, but I mean, that's a whole other story, but no. But so it's like, wow, is this metaphor, is metaphors the secret to emotional selling? So when I got home, I dumped the passion box on my bed And I started realizing, you know, I started putting things in groups and I realized there are four uh, uh, metaphors as one of 14 brain triggers at the heart of emotional selling. And I started realizing when you apply a brain trigger to what you say or what you post, it radically simplifies. In most cases, it radically simplifies your ability to get people to say yes to your ideas and to buy your products. I get people telling me now. You know, I've got Jack Canfield said it. to I me, mean, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. He sold 500 million Chicken Soup for the Soul books and plus 60 others that are bestsellers. But he was telling me, he said, I believe this is the most powerful persuasion book I've ever read and marketing, but persuasion. Because persuasion is at the essence of marketing. You know, persuasion yeah. is, you know, you get an idea and you, see, and you go like, wow, this is really great. Or you get a product that's really great. Well, we have to persuade people to accept it that it's a really great product. And I discovered there are 14 brain triggers as I went through this. So um, I started applying this. I'll, let me tell you how someone I applied it to early on first, and then I'll give you a whole bunch of examples because it's persuasion. It's not just selling, but selling is a big part of it. Hey, mm-hmm. let's make a lot of money. I, I You want to go from 20,000 to 50 million products sold? Hey, I do, okay? Yeah. So, um, so um, once I discovered... And I covered how brain glue works. I didn't call it brain glue yet, okay? But I discovered how it works. I had uh, this uh, this company with three uh, construction company with three um, uh, three partners, and they've been business for ten years, and they reached two million in sales. That's not bad, two million in sales, okay? <laughs> I took them to ten million from two to ten million in one year, and they reached thirty-two million two years later. So how did I do it? Apply brain glue is how I did it. What I did was, um, I pulled out a whiteboard and I said, Let's create a shopping list of all the different types of clients you've worked with over the past 10 years. You know, it took a while, almost an hour of, you know, they were coming up with different ideas. They went through some of their invoices and stuff. And we got this shopping list of all these different types of clients. Then I said, Let's play a game. Let's get you focusing on just one type of client and not the others. And I said, so if you were going to focus on just one, who would you focus on? They said, well, we don't want to say no to clients. I said, okay, but we're playing a game. Let's go through this, okay? So it took them a while, and they finally said, you know, fire restoration for insurance companies. I have no idea what that was or didn't know back then. I didn't know construction. But they said that we've had just a couple of clients gave us, you know, just a few little projects, not a lot, but – and it's an insurance company that has a client that has a fire. Their house burns down or whatever it is, or the house just has a fire. And they say, and I said, so what do you guys do? He said, well, the first thing we do is we go in and we check the frame. If the frame is damaged, we're going to tear down the whole building. Okay. If, but if it's not, then we'll at least, you know, we'll fix it up and make sure it's not going to catch fire again and, you know, make it nice for the client. So I said, okay, so the, the first word that the, your clients are thinking of or your prospects, the insurance companies. Uh, is fire. The word fire. So let's create something with the word fire in it. I get it. Why don't we call you guys the Fire Extinguisher for insurance companies? And we'll get the website firex.com. And so I went with them for, for to the first two clients that they went that they were prospects that they were prospecting to and I said, "Well, yeah, just think of us as your fire extinguisher. Every time you have a client with a fire, call us. We'll put out we'll put out the fire from a insurance standpoint, okay?" And the clients would laugh. Laughers are buyers, as you know, in the book. <laughs> but um, so you want to get them laughing. But they would laugh and they would buy. And sales went from $2 million to $10 million in one year. I mean, they couldn't believe how easy it was to make sales. And by the way, they said they didn't want to say no to anybody else. They said no to everybody who was not fire, risk, fire insurance companies because they were making so much money they couldn't believe it. And it helps when you simplify, too. So they're focusing on a simplified um, type of client. But I realized, you know, this goes beyond selling products. This is selling anything, including ideas. And let me give you a whole bunch of examples first. They're just blank, blank examples, okay? If the gloves don't fit, you must acquit, okay? Uh, Johnny Cochran was O.J. Simpson's uh, attorney. And I remember after the trial, two of the jurors were asked, um, you know, one of them was nodding her head as the other one was explaining it. And they were asked, with all that evidence against O.J. in his murder trial, why do you find him not guilty? And she said confidently, huh, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit, so we had to acquit. You know, rhyme. Rhyme works. You know, Jack and Jill went up the hill. <laughs> How many people know that one, okay? When was the first time you heard that, if you ever heard that? Okay, most people have heard that one. You know, when we are little kids. You know, it may have been 10, 20, maybe for me, 50, 60 years ago. I'm that old. Um, but yet it sticks to the brain like glue. You know, when you're dead, when I'm on my deathbed and somebody says to me, Hey, James, Jack and Joe went up there and I finished a hill to fetch a pail of water. I'll remember it because it sticks to the brain. There are certain things, patterns that stick to the brain. Uh, how about this one? The whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. <laughs> That's uh, um, Wonder Bread invented sliced bread you know so and they bleached the bread so it was all white and everything else but they invented sliced bread when people say wow that's the greatest thing since sliced bread they're actually referring to wonder bread and wonder bread dominated the bread industry bread their competitors hated them and then we have we had COVID. well they had an illness called pellagra and pellagra was basically when their body has the absence of vitamin b3 you're much more susceptible to it and people were dying just like with oprah With like uh, you know, COVID, Oprah, not a, people didn't die from Oprah. I don't think they did, <laughs> but yeah. uh, not yet anyway, <laughs> but uh, no. Um, but so what they did was the competitors, when they saw that, uh, um, you know, a wonder bread, they hated wonder bread because it was a competitor. They actually came up with a slogan and they, they would talk to journalists and they would say, just remember when the, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. And of course, journalists would spread it because they loved that headline and put the article in it. And Wonder Bread literally went from dominating the bread industry to almost bankruptcy. Now, what they invented was, um, you know, uh, uh, fortified food. They would start putting uh, niacin, which has lots of vitamin B3 and other, you know, vitamins and minerals in it. So they basically invented the concept of putting vitamins and minerals in food. But they literally, if they didn't do that, they would have gone bankrupt. Just because of the phrase "the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead," how about "ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country"? That's something that's called chiasmus. Came from President John F. Kennedy, and it's a flip. Okay, I'll give you an examples of how uh, some how chiasmus works, like rhyme. Okay, rhyme is A B A B. Chiasmus is A B B A. It's a flip. Okay, and so um, winners never quit, and quitters never win. Okay. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Okay, all for one and one for all. Okay, and so uh, you know Malcolm X said, "We didn't land on." Malcolm X was an early civil rights activist, and he he could have said, "You know, you have no idea how hard it is being a black person in America." You know, because there's lots of prejudice. But instead, he would say lines like this: um, mankind, you know, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us." He also has a line that he said, which was um, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And it's a flip. And so because it resonates, so in in Southern California, we have um, um, a small hamburger place and they were competing with McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. And and that's what one of the things that's powerful about brain glue is this is about having almost no money and being able to compete with giants and becoming successful. So this family said, we want to open up a small restaurant. We can't afford a real indoor restaurant, so we'll make it a drive through But we want to come up with a name. We have really good hamburgers. So we want to come up with a name that's really cool. And so they came up with In-N-Out Burgers, which is chiasmus, a so flip, In-N-Out, okay, which also means sex, by the way, in case anybody missed that, you know. And they put up a big sign, In-N-Out Burgers. They became a monster of success. I mean, you have to have good product, but there are a lot of people that have good product, and you still struggle. But they don't struggle. They couldn't believe how many people, you know, people are. We were driving by it uh, in and out uh, just down the street from us. And my wife is saying, Look at how many cars. I mean, like every day, they're just like cars in a traffic jam going through In and Out Burger. And it's because they recognize the power of of brain glue, basically. They didn't call it brain glue back then, but they understood that we needed a, f- a name that would stand out in people's minds. Now, and then I have a, a, a metaphor that goes with this, okay? I have a few lines. So, I use here's some lines that I describe Brainglue with, and they're all related to In and Alberta. Okay, but I'll give you lots of examples. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. Okay, that's the first one I came up with. Then I said, uh, you know, Brain Glue helps you light the fire of desire in your buyer. Okay, I went to ChatGPT and I was looking for uh, other ones, and they had lots of crap. ChatGPT sometimes, you know, <laughs> has stupid uh, answers. But they did have one that was good like way at the bottom after I went through like about a hundred of them and it was, why brain glue? Because plain glue doesn't stick to the brain. And I thought, okay, I can relate to that. But here's a metaphor, okay? Because metaphors is one of the powerful tools. It certainly helped Jack Canfield and Chicken Soup for the Soul. You don't get chicken soup when you buy the book. Um, it doesn't drip all over you when you buy it. But, um, but it, this is how brain glue works. So you leave your home and you're driving down the street, Okay. How many times have you left your home and you drive down the street? So you know the houses or apartments down the street. You're not going to look and go, oh, look at that one. Look at that one. Look at that one. You're not. You're just, you just ignore them because you're going somewhere and you're just driving past this stuff. But one day you get out in your car and you start driving past your street and two houses down, you see flames coming out of your neighbor's window. You're going to go, huh? His house, does he know it? Is our house going to burn down? There's a trigger that goes off and that's what we need to do because with our advertising and with our products people see it see it see it see it see it and it doesn't stand out i mean because we're so used to being bombarded with not with information and products and advertising that we don't stand out from the crowd and what we need to do is we need to have flames coming out of our product i mean not really flames you don't want to burn your i mean depending on what you sell maybe sometimes but no but you want to you know you you want to Have them, you know, looking at product, product, flipping through pages or seeing through, uh, you know, uh, posts on Facebook or wherever else it is. And then you want them to go like, what? Like there's flames coming out of it. I'll give you an example with uh, this woman. Uh, She's a stay-at-home mom. You know, how many people do social media advertising, okay, to try to get lots of people buying your product or checking it out? Well, she has 5 million fans. And guess how much money she spent? zero. So how did she get it? She, she's a stay at home mom. And she said, I want to create a Facebook page and it'll be kind of fun. And so what, let me see, mommy, I'm a mommy. So mommy needs uh, time to herself. Mommy needs a rest. Oh, I know what mommy needs. Mommy needs vodka. <laughs> so she created a page that says mommy needs vodka. Now I became a fan. How did I become a fan? Because flames were coming out of my Facebook page. Okay. So, you know, Somebody I know, because she had 5 million fans, she has more, uh, must have been one of my friends, and I saw, and they shared a post. And so I'm looking at my site, and I, I see this post. And, oh, that's pretty cool. It's by Mommy Needs Vodka? Flames. That's okay? my Mommy Needs Vodka? What did I do? I clicked on her link to go to Mommy Needs Vodka to see what that's all about. And then I saw she's got a really good post, and I said, oh, yeah. And I, I said, I'm going to become a fan. And so what happens with most of us is – You know, we have, you know, you might have really great content or great product, but you're struggling. She wasn't struggling. She had a name, Mommy Needs Vodka, and suddenly people are coming to her, you know, her her page on an ongoing basis. And that's what we want, is we want flames coming out of our messaging. We want flames coming out of, you know, our advertising. I mean, Warren Buffett, okay, a lot of, there are a lot of very wealthy people, okay, Um, but Journalists love Warren Buffett. I did too. I work with Warren Buffett's team. They brought me in because I'm one of behavior, America's, uh, uh, you know, a uh, behavioral management specialist, one of America's top behavioral management specialists. Uh, but Warren Buffett has this great line: "Only when the tide goes out do you realize who's been swimming naked." I love that line. You know what he's basically saying is: only when times get tough do you realize somebody who's really good at what they do, okay? But if you say that, people go, yeah, okay. But if you say, only when the tide goes out, do you realize who's been swimming naked? (laughs) Wow, it sticks to the brain. And so here's, how would you like to invent a product and somebody you hate steals the idea from you and they make so much money from it that you have to stop trying to even sell it because you can't make a dime from it, but they're making a gazillion dollars. Would that be fun? I don't think so, right? And yet that's what happened. (coughs) Post post Cereals and Kellogg's, okay? So the head of Post Cereals, because they're competing with Kellogg's, um, they actually stole the idea of cornflakes. There's a whole story about how they started. But anyway, but they kind of didn't like each other. I mean, Post would – so the head of Post Cereals came up with this idea, and they said, what a great idea. We'll create this little cake. We'll put, like, jelly inside it. Like, it'll have strawberries, blueberries, raspberries inside it. And we'll put it in a toaster, and then it'll come up nice and warm. You have a little nice warm cake. And why don't we call it Country Squares? So three months, they were so proud of this thing that three months before they launched it, they bragged about it to the media. We got this new product coming out called Country Squares. Blah blah blah. So the head of Kellogg's looked at it and went, oh, "What an amazing idea!" So he got all those guys internally to come up with that. how do we make that? We got to make that same thing before they launch theirs. We got to launch it. But we need a good name. And so back then, Andy Warhol was really famous. And he's a a pop artist, okay? And so the word pop art was really famous for everybody, which is a brain glue tool called anchoring. You want to pick something that's already in the brain, okay? And then use that or adapt it slightly. So he came up with the idea of like pop art. Well, it pops out of the toaster, which is really good. I think that's how he was thinking of it first. He was going, it pops out of the toaster, so we need a name that has pop. Oh, there's pop art, pop artist. Why don't we call it Pop-Tarts? This is how successful Pop-Tarts became compared to Post Country Squares. Okay, poor Post. They sold they, – he launched it a week before Country Squares got launched, of course. Okay. And they sold out like within a week. They couldn't believe in a few days. Like everybody was buying it. They couldn't – more people were buying it than they ever thought possible. And so what they did was they had to run it. They ran ads in major newspapers apologizing and saying – we are so sorry we ran out of Pop-Tarts, but hold on for just a few days and Pop-Tarts will be available in your store again. Nobody bought Country Squares. They waited for Pop-Tarts to become available, even though Country Squares invented it. Within a year, they tried, kept trying to sell it. They eventually dropped the product even that they invented. Okay, All because they didn't have a good enough name. You know, we want to remember that, you know, you ha- want to have a name that's really good. And then people remember it and it sticks to the brain. So they have this mom and this Utah mom and her son. Um, and she invented this product while on the toilet, which I guess a lot of us can invent products while we're on the toilet. But this was, you know, it's where we're we there. What else are we doing? But um, she decided, uh, she, you know, she realized while she's sitting on the toilet. This is a funny story, I guess. She decides that she realizes that you know, psycho, uh, physiologically, it's better if you can raise your feet about six inches while you're sitting on a toilet. It's better for your body and the shape of your body. And so she came up with this idea. She said, "Let's launch a product." I got started watching Shark Tank and stuff. And says, "Well, we can be entrepreneurs too, even though they have never had any experience in business." Let me end the story and I'll come back to it. Okay? This is a mom and her son with no business experience who generated over a hundred million dollars of sales within in less than two years, and they had no business experience, okay? And all the rest of us are like, oh, we're experts, yeah? Huh? You got a $100 million in less than two years? Uh, maybe not. And how did they do it? So she has this idea for this toilet stool where you raise your feet, you know, just a little bit while you're on the toilet. You know, it's not a great – I mean, it's a great product because conceptually it's great, but it's a toilet stool. You get My wife uses a, takes a trash can and puts her feet up on it, you know, but – they sold over $100 million because of the name they came up with, okay? And what was the name? Well, first they thought, let's call it the toilet stool. But I don't know. My wife says she should have called it the stool stool, but I don't think that works, okay? <laughs> but the toilet stool doesn't sound like a really good name. I don't think people would really be excited about that product. Um, but let's see. What's another word for toilet? Oh, potty. I'm sitting on the potty, Okay. I'm kind of squatting while i'm sitting on the potty squatty potty let me call it the squatty potty the name squatty potty sticks to people's brains they explain what it is and it's a squatty potty while you're on the toilet you get to use the squatty potty sales exploded she, they made it to shark tank and all the i think all the investors wanted to invest in it because they got this is really powerful we definitely want to do this and so you know it helps you understand that like here's people are struggling or somebody can steal your idea and if they have a better name for it, people start buying it. And it just becomes it's, – it's mind-blowing. It's its mind-blowing for so many people because it's so easy. You know, I mean, you were talking about – it's one of the things my wife wants me to remind people. It's easy reading. It's a fast read. You don't have to spend like 40 pages reading a uh, you know, a chapter that talks about all this stuff and uh, and it goes on. It's got all this BS and everything else. No, I mean, I guess – I have a short attention span, so I want to, I know this is great. So I want to give you enough information that you can, you know, you can hear it, understand it and apply it, you know, because if you don't apply it and you know, what good is it? You know I mean? That's it. And it's, it's, but this is something when people see, let me give you an example. When people see, learn brain glue, you start seeing it everywhere with things that are blockbusters where you don't see it before, but you go, Oh, you know, we see blockbusters, but we don't realize there's patterns, you know, we think, well, they're just famous. I, I get that. It's really, what a cool name, you know? Chicken soup for the soul. What a cool name, okay? Men are from Mars. women are from Venus. So I was on the History Channel, they had a, sh- you know, we recorded a bunch of things on the History Channel. Sometimes we'll delete it, delete it, you know, because I, I don't care about that person. I don't know them. And say Bobby Flay. I don't know who Bobby Flay is. I kind of know, but I didn't really know. And so my wife says, I think he's a chef. So we started watching a show with Bobby Flay. He's a famous chef. He was on the Food Network. And so the first show they did with him was called Boy Meets Grill. <laughs> now, we all know anchoring Boy Meets Girl. We know that one. <laughs> so Boy Meets Grill, he's talking about how to grill food. And it's such a great name that I talk to people who and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we know that Boy Meets Grill. It really stuck to the brain. Uh, on the show, they also talked about Jamie Oliver, and he was the naked chef. What was he, standing naked while he was doing it? <laughs> No, but with the name, a trigger word, The Naked Chef, people will go like, I got to check that out. Okay, they have Naked and Afraid. They've got like all these different shows. So how about this one? How about there's this young kid who had dropped out of high school, had almost no money, but he figured out how to come up with use one word that was so powerful that it helped him become a billionaire, okay? It's a young kid with almost no money. What was the word he came up with? Well, let me give you the example. So what does Richard Branson and olive oil have in common? The word virgin, okay? Virgin olive oil and virgin records, virgin airways. You know, Richard Branson realized the word virgin was a magnet. It's a brain magnet, Okay. And so now he ended up buying you know once he started becoming famous he started buying virgin this virgin construction virginness all these virgin companies the trademarks for it so he could have control of them if he went into the business or if he was thinking of going into the business uh because he recognized the power of the word of a trigger word and so I was thinking of um here's a trigger word dirty is a trigger word okay so would you call your product dirty the dirty something or other well, how about if you create movies like Dirty Dancing? It isn't like they're dirty and running naked through the, dan- through the show or anything, but Dirty Dancing became a hit. How about um, the Clint Eastwood sh- uh, movies, uh, Dirty uh, Harry? Okay. I love Clint Eastwood. Dirty Harry. You know, what was he, dirty? Was he breaking the law and everything? No, but you kind of got, you know. How about uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Um, or I'm old enough to remember uh, The Dirty Dozen. You know, I mean, the, the way the word dirty inside it like goes, what the dirty doesn't, you know, dirty Harry, but it sticks to the brain. It, it makes you know, it's flames coming out of your windows, flames coming out of your name of your movie. Hey, come see dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. What the heck's that all about? And it wakes you up. OK, so I'm trying to get um, major um, um, magazines and newspapers to do reviews of the book, brain glue. So this was my dirty week, okay, because I got dirty. And I started recognizing how dirty is a powerful word and all that stuff. So I decided to include dirty in my email that I sent to them. I sent it to about 22 different uh, uh, writers at major magazines. And because of the headline I used, literally within 24 hours, two of them responded immediately and said, okay, yeah, send us a copy of your book. We want to check this out, okay? So what was the email I sent them? Uh, this is a dirty week, okay? for me, That was a dirty week for me. I said, the dirty truth about an article you wrote. And then when they got into the email, you know, that was the headline of the email. And in the email, I said, I use dirty truth because that's a trigger word that gets people's attention. I think you'd really love this. This is in my book, Brain Glue, blah, blah. blah. You know, I didn't want to trick them totally. But all because I used the word dirty in my email, they responded. Two of them responded within 24 hours. They said, yeah, yeah, you got me. Okay, you know. But it's just when we start to understand the power of these, uh, you know, of these uh, tools, these are tools that stick to the brain, you know, to wake up the brain. And if you, can, if you can't wake up the brain, you're going to struggle. You don't need to struggle when it's so easy to wake up the brain. There's so many ways. There's not an infinite number of ways, so it's not going to overwhelm you. But there are just a few ways that are really powerful that, that work. And I want to give you just an L, the essence of it. So brain glue is based on something that's called reintegration, not reintegration, but reintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. You know, it's like uh, I, I went into the living room, uh, uh, you know, like about a month ago or so, and my wife is watching this TV show. And I said, is this any good? And she said, "No, nah, it's stupid. Said, so why are you watching it? Well, I want to see how it works out, how it turns out. Okay. It's like our brain needs completion. It's like, I'll give you this. Okay. What's the most powerful tool of human interaction that exists? I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? Questions are powerful because I talk to, because I do work with the U.S. Small Business Administration. I'll do volunteer work where I'll talk to an audience of 200, 300 people sometimes, and I would say this. I'd say, so if I ask a question, you're going to answer it, aren't you? And they all shake their heads. And I said, if I keep asking it, you're going to keep answering it. And they shake their heads. I said, I can keep going. You want me to keep going? And they all they stop. I said you stopped shaking your head, but inside your head you're still trying to answer it, aren't you? Because <laughs> it's wired into us. When well, we understand how it's wired into us, you know, then we want to use powerful tools. So, <clears throat> so read makes our brain love um, um, symmetry. Okay, my wife, if she sees a guy on TV who has like a lazy eye. It drives her nuts because it's not symmetrical. You can cover up half his face and he looks like one person. Cover up the other half, he looks like a totally different type of person because he's got like a lazy eye, okay? So it's symmetry. Well, when we understand that our brain loves symmetry, also understand that our brain loves asymmetry where something is unbalanced, okay? My wife will see people on TV and not notice anything. and say, look at that guy. She notices one guy who doesn't have symmetry, okay? So here's, uh, I think it's a profound story of Marilyn Monroe. How did Marilyn Monroe become famous? A lot of people don't know this. So first, her name was Norma Jean, I think it's Mortensen or something. And her um, agent said, you know, instead of Norma Jean, Marilyn is a better name. So she said, okay. And her, I believe it was her stepfather named Monroe. So she had Marilyn Monroe, which is alliteration. That's another brain glue tool, Marilyn Monroe. mm -hmm, Okay. Now just for a second, I'll talk about alliteration. I'll go back to Marilyn Monroe's story. So when I realized alliteration is so powerful, I suddenly realized how many blockbuster products use alliteration, which is a repetition of sound. Coca-Cola, Best Buy, PayPal, TikTok, okay? Um, Rocky Road ice cream, okay? (laughs) I mean, it's when we hear repeating sound, it stays in our brain. So going back to Marilyn Monroe. So she had Marilyn Monroe, which is suddenly using alliteration. She liked the name, probably didn't understand why, but the reason is because Marilyn Monroe has a repeating sound. Second thing was she loved Jean Harlow, who was in the early days in the movie industry. And Jean Harlow was like really famous. And Jean Harlow had platinum blonde hair. So Marilyn went to the same hairdresser as Jean Jean Harlow and got her hair colored the same color. So now she was, you know, Marilyn Monroe with platinum blonde hair. But she has a beauty mark on her cheek, had a beauty mark on her cheek. And so she'd cover it up with makeup. So one day she's looking at photographs of Jean Harlow and she realizes something really strange. In some photographs, Jean Harlow has a beauty mark on her cheek and in some photographs, it's on her chin. And then she goes, wait a second. I bet she doesn't even have a beauty mark. I bet she's just putting a dot on her face to bring attention to herself because it's asymmetry, you know. And so she just, instead of hiding her beauty mark, she decided to make it darker so everybody would see it. So there's um, uh, Cindy Crawford is a good example. And By the way, Marilyn Monroe believes that making the beauty mark on her face helped her become such a blockbuster of fame and success. So Cindy Crawford, uh, who's a supermodel, uh, and she's famous for having her beauty marker. She's got a birthmark above, above I think it's her left uh, part of her, her uh, um, lips. And she, she, in her biography, she talks about how she begged her mom when she was a kid to take her to the doctor and get that removed. And she says, I am so glad my mom didn't get it removed because I believe I became a supermodel because of that beauty mark, because I stood out from the crowd. Who'd ever think of that? Okay. What made me start thinking of that and researching it was so, David Ogilvy in the early days of the advertising industry, David Ogilvy was a major advertiser, he was just amazing. And he was doing an ad for uh, Hathaway shirts back then. Hathaway was just launching their shirt company. You know, Hathaway became so wealthy that eventually Warren Buffett bought it, Uh, and it's that's why his company's called Berkshire Hathaway. But back then, so David Ogilvy is running an ad for uh, Hathaway shirts in magazines. Okay, full-page ad. So if you're running an ad for a shirt company, what would you do? You'd have a good looking guy wearing a shirt and with a nice pair of pants and shoes, hopefully, and a nice background, you know, maybe a girl in it, whatever else. That's it. And so you'd look at, you know, shirt ad, shirt ad, shirt ad, and they all look the same. But he came up with a way to get flames coming out of his ad. What did he do? He put an eye patch on the guy like a pirate. Okay, and he called him the man in the Hathaway shirt. Never explain why the guy had a a, a patch on his uh, eye, by the way. But you're looking through ad, you know, magazine ads and, and articles, and, and uh, here's a guy with a patch on. Oh, what's that all about? The man in Hathaway shirt. Wow, and sales exploded. He stood out from the crowd because he put an eye patch on the guy. You know, so the guy's like this with an eye patch, you know, over his eye. But it's just because he he understood um, he understood the power of. Asymmetry, which is we need symmetry, but if you can be off in symmetry, you know it makes you stand out from the crowd too. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, man. So, I mean, this uh, essentially turned into a masterclass in how to use brain glue. So, um,
1: well, it's so, but it's awesome. so powerful, and it's so powerful. We yeah. have world leaders using it. Okay. We like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a president, John F. Kennedy used it, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. You have lawyers using it with, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit and marketers, you know, where we understand the power of our products. And then we want to increase the power of our products because, and to me, you know, and I help lots of people through a small business, the U.S. Small Business Administration, and there are so many people that have great products, but they struggle, you know, and I'll go back to, uh, you know, country squares versus pop tarts is, you know, I get people changing the name or description of what they sell and suddenly sales explode. And, you know, you're doing, you're going through the book. I mean, it's, it's not that hard. And when you start to do it, you start recognizing, Oh, you know? And so people ask me, like, how do you apply brain glue? And it applies to the logical people. We're logical. You know, most people who have the greatest products or services are logical. You're solving a problem and figuring out how to solve it and everything else. We're logical. But people buy for emotional reasons. So what you want to do is you want to come up with the logical t- names for your product first. You know, squatty Potty, so toilet stool, okay? You want to come up with a logical name for your product. Once you do that, now you can start applying brain glue to that, okay? You apply emotional selling to that. And you get squatty Potty. I have this guy, Paul Fran, I don't know if I just tell, I'll tell the story. Okay. Paul Tran invented an electric razor for man's private areas. Okay. And so he was thinking, you know, like, what could I call it that won't offend people, but will still help people understand what it is. And so he must've been joking around or anything. He came up with a metaphor. It's a lawnmower. It's just like a lawnmower. Okay. And he actually changed the name of his company to Manscaped. We're going to landscape a man with a lawnmower. Okay. How did sales do? They exploded. He sold over $100 million. I mean, he had major companies like Braun uh, and, you know, huge companies trying to buy him out. And he said, no, nah, I'm making more money. He's waiting for somebody to offer him even more money. But why? Because the lawnmower, it, it resonates. It's, it's fire coming out of his ads. okay? And, and so I, I didn't buy a lawnmower, okay? If I did, I wouldn't share it with my, guy, my friends, okay? let's <laughs> start there. But I would share the story. I say, hey, you know, guess what I just bought? What would you buy? It's a lawnmower. Why? You have to mow your lawn? No, no, no. It's an electric razor for men's private areas. Really? I could see them say, hey, come here. You got to hear what James just bought. He bought the lawnmower. Why? You know? It's like, because it sticks to the brain and it becomes really fun. I mean, like here is a guy with an electric razor trying to come up with a name. And then he comes up with a name that people are laughing at, but buying and that's why it's so powerful that, you know, BrainGlue is so powerful that it helps people understand, you know, you have to, you know, you have to come up with a name that's going to resonate, that's going to stick to the brain. And what BrainGlue shows you is the pathways of the brain, how to hear the pathways that work. And when you understand the pathways, you can go, oh, hey, I can do something, I can add something onto the pathways. And people come up with like really sometimes what seem like crazy ideas that I have this woman who's got a candle company. She does about a million dollars of sales. She would do candles for um, Ellen DeGeneres when she had her show and stuff like that. Okay. But she has mostly, um, you know, like no name products. And I, what I'm doing is I'm showing her that with brain glue, you can actually develop products that your own, so she, that are your own name. So people are going to reach out and buy yours, not just, Oh, there's candles. Which candle do I like the most? It's like, Oh, what's that candle? Oh, that looks good, you know? And so we came up with some names. I don't want to share with some of the names. They're blockbusters. But one of them she came up with, I came up with, I was joking with her, was nose noodles. (laughs) She has a a candle that if you have a dog or cat, it literally eliminates the smell of the dog and cat in the house for strangers. We don't notice it if we have a dog or cat. But people notice, hey, you got a dog. I can smell it, you know, whatever. It's subtle, but it's there. And so she has this candle. And she sells them at uh, some pet stores, uh, online pet stores. uh, And she calls it nose noodles. And people remember it right away. She says, I can't believe how many people are calling asking for nose noodles. It's like, I was just, and I told her, I was just kidding. (laughs) You know, because it's alliteration, repetition of sounds. It's unusual, you know, nose noodles. But she thought, let's try that. (laughs) And it started selling. And that's where people are realizing, like, wow, this works. You know, it works. So, yeah, just... Yeah. In fact, and logical awesome, people, yeah. last story, okay? Let me give you a story because so Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and all these other bestseller books, but Chicken Soup sold 500 million, Chicken Soup for the Soul sold over 500 million books. My book used to be called, <laughs> it had a different name, it was Sell More with the Right Brain Marketing Strategy. Logical. <laughs> I'm selling everybody how to do emotional selling and I have a logical title. And so Jack Canfield said it was blowing his mind. He's forcing everybody in his company to read it and use it, to apply it, actually show us how we're applying it. It's fantastic. And I said, oh, wow. You know, he actually got pissed off at me. He said, and I got, you know, really pissed at you. I said, why? He said, I I picked up your book, just started looking at it, and I couldn't put the damn thing down. You know, I'm all like, I'm sorry. Can I get that as a quote? You know, and he says, I'll give you quotes. I'll, I'll even, you know, you could videotape me on quotes and everything else on one condition. you got to change the name of that damn book. It's not sell more of the right brain marketing strategy. It's brain glue. The whole book's about brain glue. You know, when we publish a book, you know, when you get lots of uh, people giving reviews, then Amazon helps you and all that stuff. And I'm like, do I really have to change it? He said, yes. You know, you're, you're forcing us to be emotional. you got to have emotional selling. Come on. And he was right. You know, I'm over 100 reviews and it's really booming like crazy. But it's just it's easy for us as logical people to fall in the trap of. And, and that's why I say when you want to come up with a name for your product or a service or idea or podcast or whatever, you want to make sure you come up with one that's logical first. And then you can apply it, you know, apply emotional tools to it. And it's just, uh, you know, but people are blown away. And that's what I was blown away by the fact that they're just simple patterns. And when you understand the pattern, you go, oh, I can do that. You know, you don't re- when you hear somebody say, you know. You know, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Or they named their place, uh, you know, in and out Burgers. You go, well, that's really cool. But you don't realize there's a pattern. When you realize the pattern, and they show you a few samples of the patterns, you go like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. I get people practicing on me. And they go like, hey, how about this? No, no, how about this? How about this? You know, nose noodles. I don't know about that one, but she's saying But you know, but it works because it's when you realize the pattern and you see the examples, you start going, ah. Oh. You know, I mean, boy meets grill. What a great, I mean, that made him famous and rich, by the way. You know, so yeah, it's just funny. Sorry, I'm blabbing away. I just, I'm just blown away my brain.
0: This has been great. And this is one of those books that I'm going to recommend, even though I am only halfway through it right now. Uh, And it is very hard to put down. Um, I am taking notes while going through and applying them immediately to my own business and generating some awesome like stuff that I'm just, I'm going into conversations now, right? Sales conversations, and just using these terms and seeing people start nodding, and uh, and I know it's just becoming stickier. So that's awesome. So I'm recommending your book. Uh, I'm gonna go into the, my Thank last three questions with you. What book would you recommend everybody give a read to?
1: Okay, so um, Predictably Irrational is a really good book. Okay, I love Daniel that. Book. Yeah, yeah okay. just he finished was, reading it. Yeah. I mean, he just he shows us. That people do, you know, do things that seem irrational, but they always do it that way. So, you know, predictably irrational. It's fabulous. By the way, another book that I love, um, there were two books that changed my life, Think and Grow Rich and Psycho-Cybernetics. And Psycho-Cybernetics was profound because it helped me understand it was, started by, it was written by Maxwell Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon. And he would change somebody's face, and yet they still felt ugly. And he realized <clears throat> it's not physical, it's mental and that he realized that you can change how we program ourselves. And it changed my life because it helped me understand that I can change how I program myself too. And it just became profound. So yeah, psycho was just amazing.
0: Awesome, all right. Um, what is next for you professionally?
1: Well, I'm having fun just talking to people about the book Brain Group. Uh, one of the things I'm doing is I'm actually creating this uh, um, video program to talk about brain glue. I have so many examples. I got to cut it down so it isn't like 10 hours, you know. But just, you know, giving people examples is kind of fun. Uh, you know, I mean, like I have an audio book. A lot of people like the audio book. I, I'm a physical guy, so I like the physical book. You're going through it you because know, you can write notes on it and yellow highlights yeah. stuff and things. And, and so it goes that way. But yeah, to me, that's the best thing. I also have, I'm having a lot of fun with this. As Jack Canfield said, if, te- if I don't sell 20 million copies of the book, I'm doing something wrong. Because it's just it's such a basic thing that if you're in business, if you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur or if you're trying to persuade other people, if you're even a leader, you know uh, you know you, you have to be able to persuade people and this shows you how to do it in a way that resonates so I'm having fun with that for now and having fun awesome. on your podcast this is like awesome
0: <laughs> yeah oh, this has been great. Uh, last question where can people find you?
1: Um, I'm hiding you can't find me no I'm just kidding. Um, yesbrainglue.com would be a really good you know go to amazon you could find a book but if you go to yesbrainglue.com i've got lots of content above brain glue and things like that and it kind of shows you what's going on in it and everything and it has links to the amazon page as well but yesbrainglue.com is probably an easy way to do that
0: awesome all right james thank you for joining me
1: oh chris thank you so much this was lots of fun
0: yeah i If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.